This is Top Flight Time Machine. I'm Andy Hotbody Rosenbaum. I'm Sam Nifty Delaney. So what? You may uh, detect from my voice that I am a little bit chesty. It's nice. It sounds very theatrical. Well, of course, now you're a thespian. This might be quite good, especially for the old voiceover work. Perhaps this is a natural occurrence from having uh, appeared in uh, the the celluloid genre. Moving pictures. They're the future, you know. I am now a, a participant in the talkies, <laughs> as I believe they call them. I like um, this new thespian, uh, Andy Dawson. Well, it reminds me of, um, of course, my uh, mate's dad in the 80s was the popular uh, television and radio broadcaster Steve Jones off of the Pyramid Steve, Game. I don't remember Steve Jones talking with a, a, a kind of a well, he's, chesty... Well, what he does like have is a, a beautiful voice that's as rich as chocolate, yeah. rich and as smooth as expensive green and black's chocolate. The voices like that are fascinating to me because loads of DJs have got them, haven't yeah. they? Radio presenters, well, as you call he, them. Here's here's the thing. And he goes... I don't um, know, do, is, it, is it something natural or do they develop them? Or I mean, they, well, I'm about to reveal to you what his secret was. His secret... Ooh. He grew up in Crewe, so actually there is a slight... You know, you hear a slight hint of, of like, northern in his voice. A bit of region in a bit, there. A, bit of re- a little bit of region. I like a little bit of region. But, but that, what, people hook onto that, though, don't they? Mm. People like that. Mm. Just, just a hint. Just a smidgen. Just a hint, yes. Yeah, not too much. Because they think you're down to earth, but you're not dangerous. Yeah, you exactly. Know? <laughs> right. It's like, if you're fully regional, you're a potential threat. Yeah. You may steal... You're, if you've got a full regional accent, people assume that when their back's turned, you might steal the copper wiring out of their walls. Or just, just lift their wallets and take lift the credit cards. Lift their wallets or the who, wallet who knows what, you know. Um, nick their radio cassette out of their car. Yeah. Something like that. But uh, if it's just a hint, they think, well, this person may have been from fairly earthy beginnings, but mm-hmm. they've made an effort to fit in with the establishment classes. It, and that sh- that means that we can control them because they, they are better themselves, basically. They, they are, yeah. What it means is it you you reveal if you have if you're well spoken, but you have hints of regional mm. accent, then what you're revealing to people is that you are aspirational. Which means yeah. that you are willing to bend to yeah. what society expects of will. you. Yeah, it's like you. What you what you are looking for is um, acceptance, effectively. Mm. And as soon as you reveal that, people are like, right, well, we've got the cunt where we want them because this yeah. this cunt is fucking desperate to claw yeah, and, to claw yeah. and weasel his way up yeah. the so sort of social hierarchy, and yeah. therefore. We can fucking tell him to dance to our tune, the cunt, yeah. right? So you got to be careful in jobs. But if you go into a job and you're like, oh, 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 yeah, oh, I'll do this job for you, they think, well, this person is dangerous because... really good. Yeah, they don't care what anyone thinks, which means we won't be able mm. to control them, which means... They might, they might as well have gone in. They might as well have mm. gone in with a tattoo of a swastika on their forehead, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't. They might toy with you for a while to amuse themselves and boast yeah, like that, they've hired, mouse. that they've hired a, a street person, right, yeah. to show that they're, like, imaginative or daring or committed to diversity, but eventually they will smash you flat. Yeah, or just reject you before you even think you've got the job. Having said that, 
Timpsons. Mm. Oh, a big fan of Timpsons. They are. They 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 recruit from recruit, the prison yeah. community. Yeah, famously, mm. and that all seems to go well for them. So you know, I've heard was. you recruit from the prison community. Yeah, no, I haven't done time, but I'm. From, it's similar. <laughs> I'm from the podcasting community. Is there any chance I could get maybe we're, just part time shifts at weekends, cutting keys? Because well, you see, we're we're similarly uh, outcasts. Yeah. It's society society frowns upon us. It, it, society frowns upon us and fears us, like the X-Men. <laughs> I think it's because of our accents. <laughs> no, but actually, my accent only has hints of regionality. And, you know, in other moments, I'm quite well spoken. So I think yeah. that that does belie um, my, my underlying, despite my anti-establishment posturing, I feel as if... There might be an underlying desperation to be accepted, and that, mm. that those two instincts are constantly at war within me. It's like mm. you know, like the way that I always say, if the Today program call me up, I'll like, I don't care what, when, You'll how, do anything. Well, I will go there. Doing, yeah. Why? I don't know why. Yeah. It's like a sort of an impulse. It's like if anyone else calls me these days, I'll be like. Nah, I'm not fucking doing that. I sit on my house, talk to old Andy yeah. Dawson. I've got, got me, I've got me podded shit. I've got I'm my just in. I'm not fucking having a shave and putting on normal trousers. <laughs> Fuck off, Dawson's Channel Five. Dawson's, Dawson's on the other end of the line. I sit on my house, have a cup of tea, <laughs> chat to him instead. Knock it out. <laughs> yeah, but if fucking the Today program come, like don't, oh, yeah. don't even tell me what it's about. I will. Be, I'm on my way. Yeah. Oh no, it's fine nowadays. You can do it over Zoom. No, fuck that. I'm oh, on I my way in. to broadcasting house right now. And I don't care. And while I'm there, I'll talk about fucking, any, any, believe me, anything. If a guest drops out, I'll talk about mm. the economy if I have to. You've, you've got a dark grey suit permanently hung in your wardrobe, haven't you? In one right of those plastic suit houses. And of course, suit you're, only on, you're already on the radio, so they don't actually require you to wear a suit. But I would, yeah, not, but I would not go on to BBC Radio. Not Radio 4. Mm. Not wearing a suit, mate. No way. You're not going to turn up there in a, 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 a t-shirt and a pair of camouflage shorts, are you? Nah, no way. Not me. Like you just wandered off a building site or something. I did once accidentally. I've got a couple of stories about being inappropriately dressed for parties that you were <laughs> unexpected parties, right? One I've told before about when <laughs> I was just Sam's just reached into his mind rolodex again. I, I was. Just, well, I've told one before when I was in Italy. <laughs> And I was just on the beach all day, and I was about sixteen. I'd just got my done my GCSEs, and I was I went to Sardinia with my cousins for like that like a month, and um, I was a bit lonely actually because I didn't speak Italian, and I was just mm. hanging around. I wasn't. I was just there with my cousins, but then like a huge band of Italian teenagers, which sounds like fun, but in the end, you just sort of like you feel like you stand out for various reasons. One is you're very pasty and pale, if you're me. Uh, you dress yeah. differently because all Italians, especially in those days, dressed in a uniform that no one fucking strayed from. So they're very actually conservative in that sense, Italian young oh, people. Right, okay. Italian young people, very conservative in certain ways. The right. other thing is they don't really drink much. So if you drink mm. a lot, which obviously I did because I was a 16-year-old <laughs> British teenager, you know, mm. uh, they're like, they think you're, they treat you with, yeah, they're just... I think pity more than anything because they're all yeah. out and everyone's looking yeah. refined and it's all about posing and looking cool. And I'm just some fucking pasty cunt, right? Um, like fucking down in pints of lager. And they just think, fucking mm. hell, Port, look at him. 
what a what a way what a mess, right? Yeah. Anyway, so life's over before it's even begun. It was we were on the beach all day, and then what would happen is you'd go back in the evening, you'd have you'd get you'd have a shower, get ch- no, you'd have a nap. It was a good system. Yeah. You'd all go back. Everyone would go back to their houses, have a nap, then get up, shower, change into your disco clothes, sit down and have dinner, but like, you know, at fucking something daft, like 10 p.m., right? Then at 11 p.m., you'd get into a fleet of cars because no one drank, so everyone drove everywhere, and you'd go up the disco. And then you'd go at the disco till about fucking five, then go home. Fucking. Right? Madness. Um, But I was like, fine, went in Rome. I'll go along with it. But I cannot... There is one thing I will not compromise on, and that is my right to get paralytic drunk on my own every night. <laughs> right? <laughs> that is what... No, there, that's it my line my in the sand. religion. <laughs> mm. But this one day, we'd gone to a separate resort, and our designated driver was a bit of a cunt, Nino, and he... Um, <laughs> fucking Nino. I still got the ump with him. <laughs> he was the one driving and I was in these patchwork shorts it being the Manchester era there was a sort of a long knee length baggy short that was all kind of patchwork psychedelic style they were very of the time a la mode nice. and I had that and just like a fucking t-shirt on and uh, and flip flops and he goes oh I can't be arsed driving back to the house tonight so we're just going to go straight we're going to stay here all day have dinner around here and go straight up the disco. And oh, I was, no. and, I, and he's, he's speaking in Italian to my cousin. My cousin's translating. And I'm going, fuck that, mate. I haven't got any clothes to check. I can't go up the disco dressed like this. And he's going, do you, well... Do you, do you think Nino was power playing you? Probably. And he was really yeah, like, no. Like he was re- I remember his attitude. It was really sullen. That cheeky fuck cunt. Nino. I thought, what's he going to do? He's just in his swimming shorts. He opens the boot of his car. Mm. And inside it is a neatly folded pair of Levi's and a neatly pressed Lacoste top, which is what fucking, all of them wore all the time, right? Fucking neat Nino. And I was like, fucking Nino, you cunt. You knew, you planned this you, all along. You neat cunt. Yeah, I reckon maybe in retrospect, maybe we were both interested in the same Doris. It must ah, have been something like is. that. I don't, I don't remember <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. but I'm thinking it seems it, very planned. And he thought this is great. power play, yeah, yeah. Anyway, cut a long story short, I've had to go... So we're at this resort miles away from where our house is, me and, where me and my cousin are staying. So I've got no means of getting back there and getting any clothes. So I have to ask some other Doris, some Italian Doris. Uh, I said, could you help me out? And she said, I'll ask my dad. And she's gone into her dad, to her house, and she's come out with a fucking orange and white polka dot sweatshirt in triple XL, which was the only thing her old man was willing to donate to me. So I stuck that on with these patchwork fucking shorts, and everyone was like, Sam, you look like a clown, right? And it would have been bad enough in England, but in Italy, where everyone is so neat, tidy, stylish, and posy. It was fucking, it was a horrendous experience, mate. But I drank my way through it. And I was, if you imagine everyone very stylish and I'm the pasty English kid in the middle of this dance floor at 4am, dressed like a fucking clown in flip flops, a polka dot massive sweatshirt on patchwork shorts. But more, more recently than that, in 2014. I'm, I'm I'm tempted to ask listeners to email us in or tweet. Drawings 
of you please given don't. that description please don't because I'll, I'll be upset disco. it'll upset oh, me okay don't do that then. but like just, the, tweet, just the, tweet them to me more recently a similar thing happened it was 2014 I remember because it was my final kind of big year of drinking and, and stuff before I got sober and that. and that so I was out after work with a mate and we would and we were drinking and let's say partying in a sunny day. <laughs> and I used to work for Sky News doing the paper reviews in the morning. And my uh, usual kind of co-paper reviewer was the wonderful broadcaster and person, Michelle Dubry. And she texted me and said, are you meeting me at this party tonight? And I was like, what is it? Adam Bolton is the political editor of Sky. He's a legend, a big beast of the political, yeah, political journalism. Wars. Yeah, he's a political wars. And also, I might add, from my dealings with him, a top bloke, right? Oh, that's good to know. I like I like him a lot. He's funny, good, like, bit of a lad, right? Anyway, it was his leaving do. And she said, look, we're invited. And I think I'd half known, but my, my mind was a mess in those days. At this stage in my life, I was not in a good place. I was like, and she went, look, I don't want to turn up on my own. Um, you have to meet me. And I was like, all right, I'll meet you on the way home. I'm out with a mate at the moment. I'll pop in for one. Where is it? And she said, the Savoy, right? And Ooh. I was like, yeah, Adam Bolton's leaving the Savoy. No problem, I'll meet you in the bar, right? <laughs> I am already three sheets to the wind, right? <laughs> I go to my mate, Dan. I go, oh, I can't believe I forgot. I can't go and meet Michelle Dubry and go to Adam Bolton's leaving too, right? And he goes, you're not, he goes, where is it? I said, the Savoy. He went, you're not going to Savoy dressed like that. And it was only at that point that I looked up and down at myself. And again, I was wearing sort of combat shorts, right? <laughs> a really loud T-shirt. I can't remember with like fucking some stupid logo on it, right? And a pair of bright white Nike Air Max that I'd just bought like the day before and I was really proud of. I literally just looked... I mean, it was a really... It was what, like the middle of summer. It was a fucking hot day and I looked like I was dressed for... Mm. The beach, or you know, club fucking cunt. That's what I look like. Where are you going, club, <laughs> club de la cunt, right? <laughs> and again, I just thought, ah, fuck me, I'll, I'll turn up. What with my cocksure attitude and winning smile, they'll let me in, no yeah. danger, right? I'll charm the Savoy door staff, no problem. And in actual fact, what happened was Michelle Dubry had to charm the Savoy door staff because obviously they were like, you're not going into our bar like that. Michelle Dubry is a very stunning looking woman who was dressed appropriately. And, mm. you know, she's the sort of person she walks in people and turn heads. So to their shock and dismay, she came to the door when she saw a kerfuffle by, you know, what looked like a middle-aged skateboarder. A drunken and, and a drunken she, and, and high middle-aged yeah. skateboarder, which is what and I course, look like. Of She's from Hull. She's from Hull. So, therefore, she was naturally drawn to that scenario. Yeah, with that Going back to this thing yeah. about accents and, and yeah. you know, where you're from and everything, she just found herself immediately thinking, ah, this is my uh, wheelhouse. This is my wheelhouse. This, I'll sort this, this out. This is one of my people. She looks here, like, in, in I'm, trouble. Sure, I'm sure she won't mind me saying it, but she looked like we were there and she looked like a Bond girl. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. tail dressed a lot, right? Right. And she's come over and said what's this? And they said, oh, don't worry about it. We were just trying to not let this fucking imbecile in. And she went, he's with me. 
And it was one of those moments <laughs> where you feel fucking <laughs> cracking because I looked at him and she's like talked to talk them round and oh. they've let me in. And she went, thank God you're here. I thought I was going to have to go to this party on my own. Come on, let's go. We were in the bar, but the party was in some room downstairs in the Savoy. Well, we go in there, mate, and I'm telling you, the great and the fucking good of British politics were in there. First cunt I saw wow. was David Steele. <laughs> wow, I, know that, go. I know that doesn't there's, make it like, you know. But I've there's gone, the bar I've gone, set hey, hey, All right, where, David Steele here. Where like did you that. go from there? Yeah, exactly. And he's going, hello. It's one of those things where I act so familiar by mistake just because I was off my face with someone. They assume they know you. So they sort of think, I better be polite. I know this geezer. But then I go, yeah, oh, yeah, what are you up to these days? Still in the old political game, are you? It's lovely to see you. And as I'm rabbiting on, he thinks, this man's <laughs> peculiar and animated. This man is very animated. And also, he's dressed like a middle-aged uh, skateboarder. Um, this is uh, disturbing and troubling. And I need to... Uh, what's the word? I, I need to extract myself from this social <laughs> this situation scenario. immediately. Yeah. Stat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we backed off. A lot of people backed off. There was all these like famous journalists and politicians there. And literally it was like, to be fair to them, about six different people came up to me, some of whom I knew vaguely, some of whom I didn't really know. And... This is, you know, this is good about the journalistic community. They came up to me and just said, Sam, what the fuck's this? Like, mm. even people I didn't know. And I was like, what? And they were like, why are you dressed like that? And, <laughs> and I was like this. This is how I dress. And they're like, yeah, but this is a party at the Savoy. <laughs> you shouldn't be dressed like this. Why did they let you in? And I'm pointing at Michelle Dreamer going, she talked them into it. <laughs> and in the end I felt really like an outcast so I just had to fuck off I felt bad yeah, I, I, hope I, 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 know, I hope I didn't sour Adam Bolton's leaving do but I think that he probably didn't notice at all or if he did yeah. sort of thought I'll oh, fuck it yeah but it and can be on, bad were you on Sky News the following morning reviewing the papers no but when I was going through a bad phase which yeah my bad phase only lasted two years I mean people you know, sometimes I go on about and I do the reset and people think I had some... Two years is a long time, though. Yeah. Well, when I look at it, I think two years... The, the beginning was at the beginning of one year and the end, you know, was came two years later. So I mm. escalated my drinking and, and drug taking sort of in a rapid period. It had always been like a, a what I would call a normal level, for which probably isn't that normal. But it seemed normal yeah. to me because it yeah. was what everyone I knew did. And then that sort of elevated in one sort of a spurt, let's say. So it wasn't like I was some long-term Nick Cotton type character, but it was just a bad phase in my life where I'd lost control. And I did a number of sort of vaguely embarrassing things like that. I never did anything like outrageously embarrassing, like you hear about people hitting rock bottom on shitting their mm. pants in a meeting. But there was just incidents where I just, I'd normalised being out of it to such an extent in my own mind that I didn't, really register that anyone would think me turning up at places and behaving like that or looking like that would be strange and now I look was, back and cringe I look back and cringe at it a lot of the time was that Night of the Savoy was that one of the incidents that you can't made you take stock and no not really not really <laughs> I sort I of just, thought that was funny yeah. I mean I don't now I look back and I look back and I think that should have made me take stock because that 
yeah. was not me. It wasn't what I was really. It wasn't what I was really like. I mean, you knew you've known me long before that. I mean, I, I yeah. wasn't really that kind of a bloke. But I went for a face where I just kept doing things like that, which weren't like outrageously bad. They weren't so bad that people are like, "Oh my god, Sam Delaney's really like." But it was just sort of like fucking weird and inappropriate and yeah, caused bother. Because I've like looked back over the years, I've known you, and I. I wasn't aware that there was any kind of escalation. I mean, we, we we did work things, and sometimes we'd go out for a couple of pints afterwards, yeah, or a pint at lunchtime or whatever. And it never seemed that you were a, a careering on some out of control railway track. No, it was doing. like an intense period between like two thousand and probably like the end from about halfway through two thousand and thirteen to halfway through two thousand and fifteen, and before that, I'd have drunk. Just normally, just like probably like very similar to yeah. what you do. Do you know what I mean? A few pints at the football, yeah. you know, maybe get pissed once in a while, but not not you know have a few days off a week. So, uh, sometimes I took drugs, but sometimes I'd go like a year or two without touching drugs, you know. And yeah. then other times I'd go through phases of having it weekend, and then all of a sudden I was just like over. I was so overworked, I think, and so stressed. And started to feel shit about myself because I thought I wasn't able to keep up. And I was just like, I just turned to deal with it all. I just started, I just sort of got these things. I think, yeah, I think I can probably get through this if I just drink more. I think I made, like, there was a conscious decision. I thought, if I just drink more, it won't be so stressful and depressing. And uh, and also, and then when I was, <laughs> and that made me tired and I was constantly exhausted because I was, like, going through a phase where... I was like staying up at night writing, then working an office job in the day, then going over and doing a radio show in the evening, often doing Sky News the next morning before going back to work. It was like, it was stupid. It was like the opposite of a just rest lifestyle. And during that period, I sort of, and I was not like, and my drinking and drug taking was was not like the wild sort of, huh, pretty mad war stories. A lot of it was just like alone in a pub. Do you know what I mean? In the day. People wouldn't have noticed. I'd just be like, I'd just like take my laptop to the pub and think I'll do my work here today, and then I'd just like, and that work. enables you to have some booze, booze, and then often drugs on my own, and yeah. then that, and then that just carries on. Before you know it, six months have flashed by, and you're like, oh, I've just been drinking in the day and taking drugs in the day every single day. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, this is just normal me. Jalapeno. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you wouldn't be hearing this brief but annoying message if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clements each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your tics. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Jalapeño. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Jalapeño. And then I fell down the escalator at Camden Town Chew, broke my fucking wrist. I was sufficiently off my tits for it to not be like, uh, you know, 
like an ambulance situation because I think I must have been numb, but the bone was sticking out my fucking wrist, mate. I just got up. Ooh. First of all, I got up and shouted at everyone for looking at me and not helping. So I went mental and uh, all the all the other people. And they said, yeah, thanks for fucking staring. Thanks not for helping, cunts. Like that. <laughs> then I just like, got on the tube and I got the tube to the hospital. And I got off Ooh. the like four stops, got off the tube on Euston Road, walked to fucking UCL Hospital, bowled in and was just like, all right, cunts, what are you going to do about this Have thing? a look at this. Yeah, you exactly. See the bone and everything. And then they're like, you are but then they then they pull my fucking wrist. They give me oxygen, and they get the biggest fucking nurse they can find to like pull my wrist back into position. Ooh. Then they say I can go. The next morning, I get a call from Talk Sport saying, "Can you come in now?" The regular host, I won't name him. The regular host is a no show. Can you come in now? And I said, "I broke my fucking wrist last night." And I'm and they and I'm hung over because obviously I, when I'd fallen over I'd I was been pissed, and yeah. they go like classic old school talk sport. They just went, so what? And yeah. I went, oh, you know, broadcast with your wrist. I said I'm in a fucking sling here, and they go, yeah. well, is your mouth? Yeah, is, is your, your mouth, mouth working? Fucking working? Well, get yourself in then, right? So I go, oh. All right, I will, because I thought it's a bit of extra money. At the time, I was like buying a new house, and any bit of work that came up, I did, right? I had no concern for my own health mm. or any just resting. So I fucking, I went, I went right. I, got, I said to my wife, I'm going to talk sport now. She went, what the fuck are you on about? You're on, like, super strong painkillers. You're all over the gap. I said, <laughs> don't worry about that. I'm doing the fucking 10 a.m. till 1 p.m. show. Tune in if you fancy it. TTFN. <laughs> right? So she's like trying to stop me, and I'm like, nah, no worries. So I go into fucking talk sport, sit down, start fucking prepping the show, right, with my arm in a sling and all this, my head pounding. And then suddenly, the un the presenter, who I'm not naming, fucking just turns through the door five minutes before the show starts. And I'm thinking, right. what's he doing here? And he had forgotten that he had called in to say he couldn't do it that day. So he wow. belatedly got in. Oh, no, what had happened was he'd called in and said, I can't do it. But they'd forgot, the producer had forgotten to book, cancel the cab that turns up to pick him up, right? Right. So the cab turns up and he answers <laughs> the door and he goes, what's this? And they go, well, we're in St. to talk small. And he just goes, oh, yeah, all right. I might as well. <laughs> so he turns up and they go, what are you doing here? He goes, I'm here to do this show. And they go... He looks at me and goes, what's he doing here? And they go, he's going to do a show. He goes, what? what? Why? And they said, because you fucking cancelled. He goes, did I? Well, I'm here now. And then he goes to me, you can do it if you want. And I said, well, it's your show, mate. And he went, well, I don't know who's going to fucking do it. And I said to the producer, look, either way, I could either do it or not do it. Right. And I was thinking, it strikes me, they've got two cunts here whose minds are not straight. And the producer <laughs> has got a very difficult decision to make about which nutter he puts on air, right? And I went, I just went to him, I'll do it, I won't do it. Either way, I want paying. I literally said that because yeah. I'm like, well, I've come in and I'm going to charge you for the old thing. And so in the end, they said, well, he'll do it. It's his show, he's here now. So I said, all right. And I thought, fucking great, right? So then I thought, well, what am I going to do now? Because my mind was always on how can I kind of 
fashion a little bit of time in the day for me to go and get off my face, right? Mm. And I thought, oh, my missus thinks that I'm just doing the radio anyway. So today's a write-off most of it anyway. So then I look at the fixtures and I see QPR are playing Millwall, right? So I thought, West Ham are away somewhere up north. I thought, fucking great. That's going to be brilliant. So I call up the QPR terrace legend, Castellani, and I go, yeah. He came well, and he went, yeah, of course. And I said, I'm coming with you. He went, all right, fine, I'll get you a ticket. So I turn up uh, to QPR Mill because I thought this is going to be a laugh. But, you know, I did have my arm in a sling. So I thought, well, if it gets a little bit dramatic out on the street, I'm going to be fucking one arm Wendy here, right? <laughs> can I just um, can I just call this episode one arm Wendy? Yeah. So I turn right, up at the thing and, and the Terrace Legend Castellani is so well connected at QPR that if he wants, he can just walk into the hospitality bit, even if he's not sitting there yeah. that week because he knows the yeah. people. And there'll be the ex-players there doing touch. He goes, come on, we'll go in here. So we go in and I'm getting, and we get really heavily stuck in to the booze and I'm getting stuck in to other substances too. In Q- at QPR Millwall waiting for the game to start really excited because I thought it's going to be a really fi- you know fiery atmosphere and their phone rings and I go to my brother oh that phone can't call me and I'm <laughs> right I'm on it right and I go hello and they go this is so and so from UCL Hospital London I go oh yeah hello how's it going oh reading for some customer feedback are you they treated me very well thank you very much right and they go yes um, the consultants have come in this morning and reviewed your x-rays and they are not satisfied that the it was the bone was put back correctly and you need to have surgery on it with a pin inserted and I go oh yeah okay, alright yeah. well I'll call you in the way come back and arrangement for that shall I and they go no 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 you don't understand you have to come back in urgently. If not, your wrist is not going to heal and you'll basically have a deformed fucking wrist for the rest of your life, mate, right? Do, do, do you have do you have a surgical theatre uh, at Loftus Road? Because yeah. I'm there right now. I'm at Loftus Road. I'm not going to lie. I'll tell you straight. I've had a drink. Yeah, I've had a drink. I've had, I've had a couple of drinks. I like a good drink. Nothing more, nothing less. Have I been doing other substances? Well... That's for me to know and you to find out. <laughs> However, for the idea, it's about to kick off. It keep me on Millwall. I mean, I've offered to come and back up the Rangers, lads, here. <laughs> One arm Wendy or not. <laughs> and they go, you've got to come in now. And I'm wasted, <sighs> right? And I go, oh, fuck. And I put the phone down and I go to my brother, I've got to go. He goes, we haven't even kicked off yet. I said, I know, I've got to go to hospital. He goes, what for? I said, because I got to fucking do surgery on me, you cunt. Yeah. So I got back in the fucking tube and just tubed it back to the hospital, checked myself fucking in. I'm, I'm off my head, but it was quite good because they go, here, you can get in a bed if you want and just wait there for the for a sur- for a, <laughs> oh, oh. for an OR to become available, nice. right? And I thought, oh, oh, lovely. So I got in the bed and it was on those brilliant <laughs> remote control beds, you know. <laughs> And I'm like, this is all right, actually. So I started, like, I put my headphones in. I was listening to, like, commentary uh, and just in bed. And uh, But you know what it's like? You have to wait for ages for an operation room to come clear. So the anaesthetist comes around. They ask you all these questions. They go, uh, we have to ask these questions. What's blah, blah, blah. Do you have any allergies? Do you have any... Um, we have to know what's in your blood because it'll affect the anaesthetic. 
Have mm. you in the last 48 hours taken any substances, legal or illegal? And I go, yeah. And they go, what? And I go, alcohol. They go, how much? I go, a lot. Loads. They go, what else? <laughs> and I go, marijuana, cocaine. Uh, you're not going to not operate now, are you? And they said, well, we'll have to delay it. But listen, you can't eat anything now right. like or yeah. drink because you could be called in at a moment's notice so it was nice but then it turned into hell because i just sat there all day with nothing to eat or drink and Ugh. i had to stay over the night because they still didn't have a thing and i had to wait till fucking the sunday till they finally got me in there without food or drink i went yeah because you can't you had you can't drink or eat anything for like i can't remember <sighs> how long but like you know, a long time before operation. You'd had some booze. You'd have been starving. If they didn't, if they don't know when you're going to be called, because they're just looking for a gap. Do you know what I mean? In the yeah. in the operating theatre, they just you just have to be on standby. And in order to be on standby, you can't fucking eat anything. So I was going <laughs> up the fucking wall. Thank God, Sunday morning they woke me up and said, "Right, we're going." And they wheeled me down there. When I woke up, I had some sort of bit of fucking titanium metal in my wrist. Fucking hell. Yeah. So things like that were all indicators that I was not in control. Um, I'd say so, yeah, I'd agree. Uh, I mean, I was just trying to shoehorn David Steele into the narrative of you kind of getting clean, but I don't think no. there was enough going on in that particular encounter. No, th- things but, like uh, that should have made difference. In it, I can't even remember. People always think, oh, what was the one moment where you realised? But I was just like, I remember just waking up in the night and thinking, this is no way to live. This is stupid. I'm letting everyone down who loves me. Mm. And I like... And I'm letting myself down and my life's just not enjoyable. I'm not enjoying any of this. It's not fun. It's really mm. depressing and weird. And I've tried to stop on my own loads of times and just failed. So it's clear that I'm going to need help. So I fucking mm-hmm. just emailed the Priory and, like in the middle of the night in from bed while my wife's asleep. Yeah, look, uh, I had to do three consultations. I better come down there fucking quick because I'm in a right to an eight. And they just said, all right, come down. And they yeah. did it, and they did it for gave me a free once over. There's there's something very telling about the email or the tweet that is sent after like two a.m. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, I, bet, I mean, like, it's just, I wouldn't be surprised if they <clears throat> most of theirs came in from oh, people they, they, like they'll that. All be, yeah. yeah, they'll all they'll they'll get in every morning and open the emails, and there'll just be like a big ream of them. But I mean, we're recording this on Thursday afternoon, possibly just as uh, Liz Truss is about to um, melt. I mm. think. And she, she, oh, Downing Street had sent out a thing at one thirty a.m. this morning oh to say God. that yesterday's vote actually was a vote of confidence or it was in after her and the government. What? It so was, it was their way of saying, and guess what? She passed. Yeah, well, it said they said that it was originally. Then the last minute they said it wasn't, and then at one thirty a.m. they went, actually, it was. But only because they those, won. Uh, all, the, all of those who were disloyal to Liz will be punished. Unbelievable. And right now, as we're recording this, she's in a meeting with Sir Graham Brady. Sir Graham Brady. The, he, um, fucking Sir Graham Brady seems to be the guy who's like yeah, yeah. the boss's boss. And you put it, him in charge. I, yeah, I never fucking voted for that cunt. <laughs> it's all like Graham Brady this, Graham Brady that. Liam yeah. Brady, maybe. He's a man who I would, I'd fucking vote for him. Has, but, he, has he set up this 1922 thing himself? Self-appointed. Set up a fucking yes, committee. I've this club called the 1922 club and, we're the and I decide what happens yeah where does he get the fucking responsibility for Cheeky all of this cunt. my favourite yesterday fucking... was when they go Liz Trust couldn't turn up something or other um, when asked for a reason a Downing Street source said 
she was busy with general Downing Street business. No, general <laughs> government business. Uh, yeah, I've got uh, a lot of Downing, you know, government business. Lots of government. It'd be too difficult for you to understand because it's pretty complex. <laughs> but let's just say it's government business that is holding me up and there is no way I can attend. Apologies. None of it's none of it's massive. It's just like lots of little small annoying governing stuff. Governing tasks. There's a lot to go. Think of the size. Be done. Think of the size of the country. It's huge. Just think of the size of your street alone. Now times that by, there's got to be about at least a million streets in the UK. <laughs> Right? Now think of every fucking person in every house. That is all the people that need governing. And I'm just one woman sat here in a house in London trying to get my fucking knot round it. <laughs> so I think she's going to probably go today, Thursday. This is the Friday episode, but we're recording on Thursday. We might reconvene and do a special. From Asda? Um, I was going to text you yesterday and say, I think weekend. this may warrant an Asda car park if she goes. Yeah, it might well and do. The, and it the government well is in flux because, of course, the only decent thing to give ourselves any semblance of credibility globally and mm-hmm. save us and the economy from just being regarded as, you know, like Italy, but shitter, right? Yeah. Shitterly. It has got a very Italian feel about it all, hasn't it? That's what they, it's so like Italy. The Economist front cover has gone, welcome to Britalia, right? Which is quite racist in a way, because they're just laughing, yeah. saying, look, we've become like Italy. But it is like that. It's just balmy, like losing one. And people keep going, this chaos that has, you know, Tory, Tories are coming out and going, I do not approve of the chaos that has engulfed the country since Liz Truss came to power. And I think, get it right, cunts. Don't try and fucking change a narrative and convince us that this is just to do with Liz Truss, right? Yeah, it's just all happened as soon as she's walked through the door. However many years of Boris Johnson, it was non-stop chaos. That's just over now, right? Then you had the leadership election, which was fucking balmy and dragged on forever. And before Boris Johnson, you had the Liz Truss years, uh, sorry, not Liz Truss, Theresa May years, where the... The um the Brexit thing meant that she was like constantly not quite in power. You know, yeah. there was stuff about proroguing Parliament. There was the papers going for the judges, trying to undermine the fucking credibility of of the Commons. It was it's so don't just it's convenient for them to say, well, Liz Truss. It's misogynistic yeah. too because they can go, is. well, we let this blonde girl in and look what she did. No, fuck yeah, yeah. that, right? Liz Truss. She might, obviously, she's not particularly competent or likable, but actually, it's it's too convenient for the Tories to blame her, right? Mm. It's like the party, from day one, when Cameron got in, in 2010, and made an ideological decision to impose austerity on the country, yeah. then fucking um, foolishly, like, sanctioned the Brexit referendum... Then fuck that up. Then landed fucking Theresa May in a situation that was just impossible for the country to govern. Then then Boris Johnson, who is literally just a fucking clown, comes in and totally undermines all the fucking credibility of the office of prime minister for his little stint. And then they elect this woman who is appears to be the puppet of billionaires and vested interests. And she's like a fucking cork on the ocean. And now they're all blaming her because they're all a bunch of fucking conniving 
white middle-aged weasels who are finding it convenient to use the, the, the young blonde woman as a fucking scapegoat, right? And now I, they won't honestly, call an election. And I know what they're going to do because i got a tip-off, right? Get on this if you're a gambling man. They're going right. to fill the cabinet with her enemies, right? She herself okay. will be complicit in this. And therefore, when she goes... So they've already started that because Jeremy Hunt was not a fan of hers. Grant Shapps definitely <clears> isn't. <throat> But if she can fill the cabinet with them and then it, it looks as if they pushed her out, it means it's a smoother transition because what you're not doing is losing her and having to change the cabinet all over again as well. Do you see what I mean? Oh, right. So, so they're already prepping the next cabinet. Exactly. So they want all that so-called elder statesman's backing cabinet, get rid of her mm. and then anoint someone at the top. And keep your eye on someone who's been in the shadows. And I think he might even be in the Lords, but of course there is precedent for someone in the Lords being right. Prime Minister, because Alec Douglas Home did it in the 50s, right? Or the early 60s, maybe. Is um, it going to be Kenneth Clark? Oh, fucking I wish. She's the only fucking half-decent <laughs> one. No, William Hague. I, I've heard... Whoa! ...that William Hague, because he's regarded as a sort of uh, uh, elder statesman... Okay. That he, his name is being whispered because they think we need someone who the country recognises as being, and the world might recognise as at least being fucking sane, mature and competent. Right. Although, fucking say that when you've looked at the pictures of him doing his judo with Seb Coe. Yeah. Or doing yeah. his running down the embankment in his tight disco t-shirts. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, he was campaigning uh, fucking years ago and he went into a, a pub in Sunderland he was campaigning in Sunderland yeah. and he ordered two pints because he does he's, he's into pints you know what I mean he's one oh, of he, those, he said real, in a magazine interview once that he did 40 pints in one session it, like yeah. fuck you did of course he fucking didn't no one it. does that so anyway, not even fucking giant haystacks could do that he ordered these pints in a pub called the Chester's just in Sunderland and by all accounts he uh got the pints, got his money out and put his money down on the bar in a little beer puddle on the bar. Didn't hand it to the barman, put it down on the bar and the barman had to pick it up out of this little beer puddle. That is the nature of the man. That is why he is not fit to be prime minister of this country. Pick that up. Pick that up, sir. Pick that up, Oik. Yeah. Yeah. Get get your hands all in the old dirty beer, you cunt. Yeah. He said, he went in GQ magazine and said, yeah, I've drunk fucking, f- I drink loads of pints. And the interviewer went, um, what's the most you've ever drunk one session? <laughs> About 40. Next question. Right. <laughs> Is that a lot? And, th- and then, they- <laughs> yeah. And then they repeated the trick a few years later when they did the same interview, but with Nick Clegg. And Nick <laughs> claimed that he'd fucked about a thousand women. <laughs> I don't know if it was a thousand. It was loads. Look it up. Uh, right? Do you remember? Do you remember? I don't remember that. Ah, people say, like? people say that all Lib Dems are squares. Oh, square get, get this. Well, get ready for this that I'm about to fucking drop on you. I fucked a thousand women. Next question. <laughs> William A. might have drunk 40 pints in one go. Right, but the amount of funny old Cleggy boys had in his time <laughs> would fucking send your mind spinning. Can't remember you know what my nickname names. is. <laughs> Do you know what my nickname is? Ramrod. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These politicians are insane. Nick oh Clegg. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nick Click in GQ magazine, mate. He was deputy prime minister, fucking going around, up. mate, and boasting about all the funny he's had. 
fucking oh, nuts. Well, yeah, we might we might end up in the Asda car park over the next couple of days, depending on what happens, because that is, as we know, the place to take the temperature of the nation when every, everything goes to, to shit. Um, we'll do some predictions quickly before we go. Um, by the way, that's been, I think it's been a very helpful episode, the stuff about your um, your drinking and your, your, your injury and all that. Mm. Um I hope so. It felt like it felt like a reset episode, but hopefully, um, but any listeners, any listeners who think that they might be in a bit of trouble drink wise, then uh, I would say have a good listen to what old Delaney's just been saying, and maybe yeah, have a it creeps about up. Your, I often say life. people is don't don't wait and think that there's some big dramatic moment where you know I don't know your wife leaves you or you lose your job or you get mm. beaten up, or you end up in neck. People almost are waiting for a rock bottom, because that's what they yeah. heard happens. But for 99% of people you meet in alcohol recovery, right, the rock bottom never happened. They just realised that their life was drifting out of control in a much yeah. more subtle and incremental way. And they took action before it was too late, right? And yeah. th- and that's it. Don't wait for a rock bottom. If you feel like your drinking is out of control, i.e. you keep telling yourself you don't want to drink but then you end up doing it anyway and then you feel a bit shit about it and so the cycle continues, then you're basically losing a bit of control and your life would probably be better without it. But don't wait for a rock bottom because it's it's a bit of a myth for most people. It's almost like, yeah, would it be fair to say, it's almost like you're not going downwards, you're going along, but you've drifted off to the side. Off, or yeah. Veered, and yeah. off the path of... And when you, you, you find that you're not doing things that make you happy, unless being pissed a lot of the time and hung over and all the other things that go mm. along with it is genuinely like you feel the best, you know, is your best life, then that's fine. I'm not judging that. But, you know, for me, I was like, fucking hell, this isn't very enjoyable, but I've kind of lost the ability to stop doing it. So yeah, yeah. I better find yeah. a way. You you weren't in charge of it anymore. It'd become exactly. in charge of you. Exactly. Um, predictions. Yeah, you ready? Yeah. Man City versus Brighton. 3-0 City. I'll go uh, 4-0 City. Uh, Wolves versus Leicester. I'll go first. Managerless Wolves. Hapless Leicester. Uh, I think we're uh, 2-1 to Leicester, I reckon. I'll go 1-0. Uh, West Ham versus Bournemouth. Ooh, uh, I'm going to say 2-0 West Ham. Uh, 2-1 West Ham. Sunderland versus Burnley. I will go for uh, oh fucking hell one one. I'm going one one as well. Uh, Everton versus Crystal Palace. Frank Lampard's Tory Everton, of course. Hmm. I think I think this will be increasingly swashbuckling Crystal Palace. I I think I think I'm going to go this one one as well. Really boring predictions, but I have to play. I've, I've got problems in this predictions league this year. You have. I have, yeah. I've been bottom all season. You, you and oh, results yeah, are running of, away. Yeah, I thought you meant like mental problems. Oh, yeah, uh, I've always I'm got that. I'm going to go... I think Everton will win that 1-0. So that's the predictions. That's the uh, Friday episode. As we've said, we may return to the Asda car parks if we need to uh, to update the nation. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.